Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. We're thankful that you've joined us here in our church service. This is a church service for our people uh, to be able to share from at their homes. Uh, we have history and context together. Uh, and those of you who might be joining us for the first time, we hope that you'll judge us kindly and uh, that you will know that you've just joined in our life. We've been together for nine and a half years, many of us, and we've been studying the book of Galatians. And so if this is your first time with us, we welcome you. Hope that uh, God will speak to your heart today. Our prayer is that his word goes out with power, touching hearts and lives. And as we are facing the difficulties in our country right now, God all the way, always in history has warned people. You know, at the table where, where I used to sit with my mom and dad, my brother and two sisters, uh, my dad sometimes give you a look. That look meant, okay, that's enough. Sometimes, uh, if you didn't seem to notice the look, he would say, <clears throat> he would clear his throat. Sometimes he would go as far as to say, son, that's enough. If you ignored the look, ignored the clearing of his throat, ignored his word, then he would say, you need to go to your room. I'll be back there in a little while. Well, it was too late to plead then. Too late to begin making excuses and apologizing. You were sent to the room. Judgment was coming. You know, our nation has been blessed by God. We are uh, the most incredible nation in all of history. Brought here uh, a band of settlers, people seeking religious freedom, came here. And we are the United States, a huge country joined together uh, with governments that are cooperating together. And God has done amazing things in our history. And if we went back through those, it would be amazing. But now, like Israel of old, we have taken the blessings of God. We've taken the, the wonderful things that God has given us. We are the most blessed nation. When I go back and forth to Africa, so many people wish they could come to America and wish that they could live here because we throw away things that other people would treasure to have. And God is now warning our nation. And I've encouraged our people to read in the book of Joel. He says at the beginning of Joel, look, I sent you the gnawing locust. I sent you the stripping locust. I sent you uh, warnings. But instead, you've continued to be a nation of drunkards and wine drinkers. And uh, you are ignoring my uh, word to you. Chapter 2 of Joel, verse 12. God says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your clothes, your garments. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding, abounding, overflowing with loving kindness and relenting evil. My dad, when he would spank me, would say, son, this hurts me more than you. I didn't really believe him at the time, but now at my age, I understand what that means. 
You want to bless those that you love. You don't want to have to discipline them. I don't like confrontation. I don't like fighting, but I'm willing to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done out of a heart of love. And God says, I am speaking to you. Pay attention. All across the world, suddenly there has come a fear. There was fear of terrorism, fear of other things before now. Across the world, there is a fear, uh, an awareness of our mortality. Let's take this time to humble ourselves and say, God, are you trying to say something to me? God, are you saying something to my family? And then let's pray for our church, pray for our community, pray for our nation. God, that song that we just sang, God comes after us reckless, not because he's careless, but he understands that it's going to hurt him. He understands that we are foolish and obtuse and un, 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 unyielding sometimes. And yet he comes after us with that love, that deep love. Not because he is insecure, desperate, and needs us. He longs for us to share in his love and to share in what he wants to do. Verse 14 says, who knows whether he will return and relent and leave a blessing behind him even a grain offering and a drink offering. Who knows? He'll bless you so that you can give back to him again. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Set apart the congregation. Assemble the elders. Get your children and your nursing children. Let the bridegroom come out of his uh, room. Skip your honeymoon. The bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests and the Lord's ministers, the preachers, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Oh, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword amongst the nations. Why should the people say, Where is their God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land. Have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine, and oil, and you'll be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make your approach amongst the nations. Well, we've been in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, Paul had come into the area of Galatia and had uh, won a lot of people to Jesus Christ. They'd heard the good news about Jesus. They'd given themselves to Jesus. They had the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they'd begun following after him, but here came some other people from Jerusalem. They said, oh, yes, yes, that Paul, yeah, yeah he, he was a Pharisee just like we are, and, and he's told you this news about Jesus. But understand, he left out some stuff. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep these laws. There's 613 of them, and you've got to do that if you're really going to be right with God. We've talked about the choice that, that we have many times. And in the book of Galatians, Paul is saying, you have a choice, people. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not gathering with me, you're scattering abroad. Today, you're going to be challenged to look at your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit, search me. Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my thoughts. See if there's a wicked way in me. Then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Last week we started out with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I hope that you're following close with him. They were given the choice, the Galatians, 
Are you going to follow yourself or are you going to follow the Holy Spirit? Are you going to have a bunch of rules or are you going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you going to walk in the flesh or in the spirit? Are you going to be like Hagar, Abraham and Sarah? God promised them a child. Well, Sarah says, I'm 90-some years old. No way I'm going to have a baby. The only way we can figure it out, I, I can figure that God's going to do it, is you go into my servant girl, we'll make her your wife, and then I'll take her baby, and that'll be mine. We'll do that. And they came up with a fleshly plan, and Abraham cooperated with her, and they had a son named Ishmael, but he was born of a fleshly plan. Later, according to the word of God and the promise of God, listen, all the way through history, since Adam and Eve, all the way down through, it's not rules, it is a relationship. A relationship of faith in the Word of God. Faith in the Word of God. Adam and Eve doubted God's Word. Satan got them, doubted God's Word, and they took of the fruit. They ate, and that simple act of rebellion, that simple act of independence, that saying, I will be as God, brought devastation into our universe. God's going to fix that. And he's been working ever since then to fix that. But they have a choice. Hagar, the fleshly way, or Sarah, the spiritual way. Isaac was born. Laughter. When she was 99 years old, I think it was 90, 99 or 100 years old, this son was born to her, the son of promise. Is it going to be my way or his way? Am I going to be a child of the earth, or am I going to be a child of heaven? Am I walking by laws, or am I walking by grace? Remember last week I said grace. One of the definitions I like is grace is the desire that God gives you and the power God gives you to do his will with joy. Grace. God says, this is what I want you to do. I'll give you the desire to do it. I'll give you the power to do it. You'll experience my favor. Uh, in your life. Were they going to be dutiful or they were going to be devoted? We talked about it last week about a dutiful wife. She can do all the right stuff, but from a cold heart. God says, I want your heart. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and let that love overflow, uh, my love overflow to your neighbor. Is it going to be the flesh way or is it going to be faith in the promise way? Is it going to be bondage or is it going to be freedom? Is it going to be the earthly Jerusalem or the heavenly Jerusalem? Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Is it the kingdom of Satan or is it the kingdom of God? Is it the way of destruction, of a broad way that leads to destruction that most people are walking in? Or is it the narrow way that leads to eternal life? Are you willfully wandering away from the shepherd or are you following the good shepherd? Are you in self or are you dwelling like Psalm 91 says in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, right in close to Him, where He can give you and bless you and guard you and guide you in the ways that He wants to. Uh, where is your safe place? Jesus said, if you know my words and you do them, you're building on the rock. The storm will come, the flood will rise, the wind will blow, but you will stand firm in the storm. How are you doing in the storm? The wind's picking up. People are getting shaken. I've been talking to people this week, say, oh, I only got a couple more weeks, and I'm going to lose my business. People already shaking. Where's your faith? 
Paul says having food to eat, clothes to wear, everything else is a bonus. I hope that you can learn to live that way. In, uh, I would love to do the study today, but we'll do it another time. In Timothy, it talks about godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, not just a moral person, but a person who is in the spirit of God, walking with God, close to God, in the secret place of the Most High. Godliness with contentment. That means if the wind's blowing, my God is still God. If it's sunny and shiny, my God is still God. Where is your safe place? Who is your Lord? Who is your God? Are you living just for yourself or are you also living for the people around you? You know, we can have our own fears. Uh, the, the other day, somebody told me how sick they were. And uh, I'm ashamed to say my first thought was, well, don't breathe too heavily right around me. And let me leave the windows down while I ride you. And I did not pray for him. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have that heart. And, and I, I felt bad later. I've been praying for him. But we should have this heart to see the needs of our brothers and sisters around us, see people who are in fear and point them to the Lord Jesus. An idol, listen, an idol is anything that you depend on for security, significance, or satisfaction that will make you ignore God or disobey God. America has been happily bebopping along. I mean, stocks are up, stuff's going good. And suddenly, in just weeks, uh, out of nowhere comes something frightening. And people's lives are shaking. What are you depending on for your security, your significance, your satisfaction? I hope that you know the Lord Jesus. We sang the song, One Thing Remains. We sang, Spirit of the Living God. He was there before the beginning. He was moving in the beginning. He's been here all the time, and he invites you uh, to come to Jesus. And then Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven. Let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to talk about today. We sang holy, holy, holy. Oh, I hope that's a beautiful word to you. How pure God is, how powerful he is, how wonderful he is, his absolute majestic character, I hope that you rejoice before him. And then we sang the way maker. Uh, I want to just tell this story real quick. I can't give you the date, but uh, Brother David, who's with the National Day of Prayer, uh, he had a story last night. He back uh, early in our nation's history, uh, a huge French fleet gathered right outside Boston. They had 13,000 troops on the ships they had big war uh, ships and then troop ships, and they were just outside of Boston, and they were planning to come in, destroy Boston, then go down the coast, wiping out cities, wiping out cities. It was an overwhelming force, uh, irresistible. And so they called the city of Boston together. This was back when the whole city of Boston would come together to pray. They talk like Brother Mickey, maybe, but anyway, they, they came together to pray. And the pastor began to pray. And he called out, he said, Oh, mighty living God. And I can't quote the words of his prayer, but he called on God to bring the storms, called on God to smash the ships, called on God to destroy the power. It was a bright, sunny day. As he's praying, 
the wind begins to pick up. As he's praying, raindrops begin to fall. And for the next three days, there, there are terrible winds and a huge storm, violent rains. And as he was praying there in the church, the wind was so strong it rang the bell twice. Dang, dang. And the pastor said, we hear you, God. Thank you. And when they sent a ship out to check on the French fleet, 13,000 men, there was only 1,000 left. The admirable, admiral and the vice admiral of the fleet had committed suicide. And what boats were left limped back to France. It was done. Our God is the living God, y'all. Now, we can't tell him what to do, but we can sure talk to him. Right now, I know, I look at some of you that are here in the church, and there are some here, the band. Uh, and, and they're here. And we know each other. We've been with each other. We've got prayer requests. We've got burdens. We've got things that, that are shaking at us. Oh, but we have a testimony of the living God. God is partway through a testimony. I hope that you know him today and that you'll walk with him today. Let me read with you in Galatians. Galatians chapter uh, 4, verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. We're not like Hagar, slaves, but we are of the free woman. We're like Sarah. Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Listen, you have been freed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a slave. Don't let the old boss tell you what to do. You're free. Serve the new master. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, Paul says, I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. You've got to choose. Leave that way and go this way. The law, listen, God determined to win people back to him. He gave the law to the children of Israel. He founded the nation uh, of the Jews through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on down through. And he formed them. And they were a nation to bring the Messiah who would be the Savior of the world. But he promised to Abraham, the very beginning of the Jewish race, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So, the vehicle that brought them to Jesus was the Jewish nation. He was born as the son of Abraham, born son of David, born of the tribe of Judah, born as God said he would be, where he said he would be born, in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. He shall be called a Nazarene. He shall be called out of Egypt. He went there as a baby. All these prophecies fulfilled. But now that Jesus has come, now that the, the person has come, you don't need the picture. You don't need the types. There was a Passover lamb in Egypt. But John said, Jesus, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You don't need to have lambs and goats and cow offerings. You don't need to have those things. God says, I'm going to put the law in your heart. And I'm going to break down the division between all the nations. All people, bond and free, slave and free, men, women, all races brought together into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Put that away. The law of God is in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you with me? You people out there in your pajamas, drinking your coffee, are you with me? Yes. I hope that you're there. Uh, we're, we're looking at you. Uh, so this, this, this is what he, he said I want to do. Paul says, if you take the law back, circumcision, external signs, Christ won't be any benefit to you. You're depending on the wrong thing. Verse, verse 3, I testify again to everyone who receives circumcision. He's under obligation to keep the whole law. If you disobey one law, you're guilty of disobedience, and the wages of sin is death. 
The gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. Galatians 5.4. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law. You've fallen from grace. God says the law was given to show you your need for Christ. Now, are you going to try to do be good enough that you don't need Jesus? No. The law will be in your heart. The Spirit will guide you. He will lead you in the ways that are pleasing to God. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Listen, we are righteous in Jesus Christ now, and we will be fully righteous in Him when we reach to eternity. We will have no sin, no sadness, no sorrow there. We wait for the hope of righteousness. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Those external things have no value in relationship to you and your God, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. A person of faith in Jesus Christ, got a new nature and the Holy Spirit in you, working through love, obeying Him as He guides you. Philippians 3.3 3 says, we are the circumcision. We are the true circumcision. We are the real people of God who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in rules, no confidence in organizations, no, our confidence. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified, and I, let me just say this while we're at it. While you're sitting at home and your kids are driving you crazy, uh, Sophie right now, she really likes those gumballs. Well, she has to say Psalm 23. She can say it fast now. I mean, to get her gumball, she has to say Psalm 23 or Romans or Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, you got to give it to her anyway, so you might as well get something out of it. Amen? And so she says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And she can say that thing. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He died for me so that I can have a heart transplant, so I can have a new power. I had a heart of stone. Now I have a heart of flesh. I don't have to have rules. The Holy Spirit in me will guide me into the law of God, and I will learn how to love God better and my brothers and sisters better. Verse 7, Galatians 5. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who's distracted you? Man, if you're running in a marathon in the Olympics, you don't want some little girl say, hey, 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 boy, hey, boy. You don't want to be looking at her, man. You better be focusing on that. You've got a race. Don't get distracted. Paul says, who's distracted you from Jesus? What are you doing looking at something else? You are doing good. Verse 8, this persuasion, this lie doesn't come from the one who's called you. Verse 9, a little leaven. Just get a little bit off course. A little taste, just, just a little bit of a poison in your drink. Uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Verse 10. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. If somebody's deceiving you, distracting you, disconnecting you, God will deal with him. Verse 11. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brethren. The 
this is what God's called you to. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. You're free, but not free to do what you want to do. Free to do what he wants you to do. Grace, the desire that God gives you and the power God gives you to do his will with joy. But he says, don't, don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, selfish abuse of other people, but through love, serve one another. 1 Timothy 1.5, you can write this down. This is a great verse to memorize. Paul says, when I'm discipling, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Love for God from a pure heart. Not so I can go to heaven, not so I can dodge hell, but love him because he's worthy to be loved. Amen? He is altogether lovely. He is beautiful. He is wise. He is powerful. He casts the whole universe out there, spoke things into existence by his power. He's worthy that you love him. Love from a pure heart. Not to get some from him, but just, oh, he is worthy of being loved. And then love the people around you. Not so you can get some from him. Not just the rich people. Not just the good-looking people. Love the people that God puts in your path. The good Samaritan loved the, 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 the Jew who was beaten. He loved him. He sacrificed for him. He took time. He exposed himself to danger. He spent money. He washed his wounds and took him and helped him. Jesus said, that is your neighbor, the one that I put in your path that you're able to help with a kind word, with a prayer, with something that you can give them, something that you can share with them. That is love. God, God kind of love is a self-sacrificing, extensive love that goes way on out uh, past convenience. Verse 14, the whole law Every law that God has in relationship to and us and each other is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, if you say, well, well, I'm loving. I love. Well, listen to God's definition of love. Love is patient. Uh-oh. I don't love all my neighbor drivers at the Hardee's intersection. Would you please get on? What are you looking at? Are you taking pictures? You know, I talk to them, so I have to. I'm not always patient, but I ask God to help me to be kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Even when you're homeschooling your kids that you wish were back at school. Uh, love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag or promote itself. It's not arrogant. Love is not rude. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. It's not irritable. It's not demanding its own way. It's not provoked. It doesn't carry grudges. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love endures. It has a positive expectancy. It carries the weight. It is dependable. Galatians 5.15 says, listen, if instead of loving each other, you bite and devour each other, take heed that you be consumed of one another. But I say... Walk, listen, this is our verse for today. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another so that you cannot do the things that you please. You can't live to do things your way. Now let me just talk to you today. It's possible that you're a Christian. But there's no dynamic joy. There's no vitality in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's possible for a Christian to be trying to do things in their own strength, trying to do things their own way. The flesh, the selfish, self-centered part of us is against the spirit, and the spirit against
against the flesh. And when you come in, when the Lord Jesus comes into your life, he gives you a new nature. Amen? Say amen for me out there. Make me feel good. Amen. Yes. He gives you a new nature. He just doesn't do reformation. He gives you a new nature. Your spirit, that was dead to God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they died. They died in their spirit to God. They fell naked. They ran, covered up, uh, hid, and blamed each other. Uh, that came, but when Jesus comes into your heart and life, when his spirit comes in, you get a new nature. Your spirit is supposed to be united with the Holy Spirit of God, blended together like biscuit dough and, and all the ingredients cooked together. Cooked together, you and the Holy Spirit. And that is supposed to control your mind, will, and emotions, your soul. How many of you have a struggle in your mind, your will, your emotions, with what you know you should do and what is there? And you have choices. And then your spirit should control your soul, which should control your body. It's not, if it feels good, do it. It's, does it please God? Do it. And the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will help you. He will teach you. And he will direct you. But if you're led, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You have a new heart. You have a new drive. You will know what to do by the grace of God, the word of God, prayer, and the brothers and sisters. Galatians 5:19. the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, wild partying, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things, if you live there, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's the way of the flesh where people are living devoid of the new heart and the new nature. But the fruit of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is flowing in and through you, if you're a branch in the vine, Jesus Christ is the vine and you're the branches, out of you will come fruit. You don't have to sweat to put it out. The nature of God flowing through you will produce love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. And against these things, nobody will complain. If we had a nation full of people like that, we wouldn't worry. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen, the Christian life is a blessed life, but Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, Luke 9, 23, you have to deny yourself. You can't do the things you want to do. Take up your cross daily. What's your cross? Your cross is not your headache. Your cross is not the bar neighbor's dog barking next door necessarily. Your cross is where God's will crosses yours. You want to go this way, but you've got to go do this. And you know that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. How many of you have had the Holy Spirit speak to you? You knew what he wanted you to do, but it's going to be inconvenient. It was going to be embarrassing. It might be uh, whatever. Uh, that's the cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily, Jesus said, and follow me. Oh, man. Who would you rather be following? Yourself or anybody else? Follow after me. If we live by the Spirit, if you're made alive by the Holy Spirit, he says, let's walk by the Spirit. How do you walk? One step at a time. One step at a time. Now, I'd just like to talk to you. I made a little list here. 
of how you as a child of God can walk in the flesh. You know, uh, when Sophie was smaller, I would take her by the hand and sometimes she'd jerk her hand away. I want to walk by myself. When you jerk your hand out of God's hand and say, I'll walk by myself, that's walking in the flesh. When the branch on the vine, you're a branch and Jesus is the vine and you say, I don't need you, I can handle this, I can do this. And, and, you, and you try to pin on some pretty artificial grapes. You may look good, but you're dead inside. You may look good, but those grapes won't do anybody any good. They have no nutrition to them. How many of you have ever bitten into artificial fruit because you thought it was the real thing? That's a disappointment, isn't it? Jesus said, without me, John 15, 11, you can do nothing. We are to be people filled with the Holy Spirit of God, yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, available to the Holy Spirit of God. If, if you're trying to pre please God by rules and willpower to get Him to love you, you're walking in the flesh. If you're fixing your mind on earthly things and you're entangling yourself with the issues of this life, stuff and organization and busyness, you may be walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. If you fantasize about gratifying the lusts of the flesh, fame, finances, females, the other sex, movies, magazines, romance novels, filling my mind and fantasizing about sin. You know, the word muse means think. The word amuse means no think. Amusements are no thinkments. Now, it's all right to veg out once in a while, but this nation is living for entertainment. Number four, self-denial and perfectionism by willpower. Uh, I've tried to do this in my life where, where you, you try to do, read the Bible enough, pray enough, uh, witness enough, do all that to get God to love you, and God finally just crossed his arms in my life and said, I already love you. You are my child. The way you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians 2, 6, that's the way you walk in him, one step at a time. I deserve nothing, I can't save myself, and I can't make myself anything. Oh, Jesus, help me. Walk with him a step at a time. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Don't seclude yourself off and uh, have special titles and special clothes and have an externalism. The Pharisees did that, and they prayed long prayers but their heart was far from God. Number five, you can be making sacrifices to impress God. You can put ministry above your family and your marriage. Uh, Micah 6, 8 says, what, what do you want, God? Thousands of rivers of oil, all kinds of oxen? No, do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with the Lord your God. Do the right thing. While you're doing the right thing, be merciful and gracious. And while you're doing the right thing, merciful and gracious, walk humbly. With God. That's what God wants from you and me. Number six, using guilt and manipulation and misusing scripture to pressure people to do your will. That can be walking in the flesh. Uh, worrying about life. Worrying about life and food uh, and uh, things. Jesus said, don't let those things worry you. Your father knows that you need them. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I will Take care of that. Pray, trust, and focus on the kingdom of God. Number nine, boasting in my wisdom, my strength, my riches, my accomplishments. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Don't let the rich man glory in his riches, the mighty man glory in his might, the, the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let him who glories glory in this, that you understand me, that you know me, 
that you're walking with me. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Uh, you can be trying to impress God. You can be boasting about yourself. Number 10, walking as a perpetual victim. I'm just a worm. And you blame God, blame the devil, blame other people, blaming and living uh, full of self-pity. Self-pity is a terrible sin. Self-pity says, God, if I was in your place, I could do better for me than you're doing. That's walking in the flesh. You can be a people pleaser. A lot of people at church can be people pleasers. Uh, uh, worrying about what the, the, the preacher can be a people pleaser. Worrying about what, what the, the board's going to think. Worrying about what the people are going to think. Worrying about that big tither is going to do. And you can become a hypocrite. You can be two-faced. You can be different than God wants you to be instead of being genuine, godly, with a servant spirit and filled with his Holy Spirit. Number 12, you can depend only on worldly criteria, method. You, you think that you've got to do all of this stuff to get people to come to church. You've got to do all this stuff. Well, all those things are fine. But we want God to bring people here. We want God to bring the people that he wants here. We want God to enable us. We want God. If he doesn't show up, it doesn't matter how much. Everything else is there. We need his manifest presence. Amen? And that's what we were singing. Lord, we want you to come to be among us. You can try to grow a ministry. You can work hard to try to make things happen, but it can be in the flesh. Marketing and manipulation and compromise, driven and driving other people. Sometimes we define success by numbers and dollars and, and, and comparison. Listen, when God, when you go to heaven and God measures you, he will say, were you a good servant? Did you do what I told you to do? Were you a faithful servant? Did you keep doing that? Some of the most insignificant people in this world, faithful in remote places. The first here will be last there. The last here will be first there. Are you a good servant and a faithful servant walking in the spirit with what God has given you to do? You know, sometimes we can walk in the flesh show, using people and showing favoritism and being political. You know, James chapter 2 says, don't show partiality with evil motives. Number 18, you can be judgmental and critical and, and, and detached from other people. Number 19, you can use worldly tactics in conflict and problem resolution. Instead of giving and forgiving you and yielding and being humble, you can be arrogant and uh, assertive and use position. Those are all things of the flesh that we as Christians can do. Or you can try to make yourself indispensable and be a glory hog and try to get people to focus just on you. I thank God for the servant spirit in this church and people who serve and never get the credit for what they do. Uh, I'm so thankful to be a part of that. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to the ways of your mind. In everything you do, acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. You're the mighty power. Put your hand in me. I'm the glove. I don't care if you want to clean the restroom with me. I don't care if you want to carry out the trash with me or if you want to anoint the king with me. Whatever you want to do, I am yours. That's what God is looking for. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end are the ways of death. Let me ask you here two questions real quick. How do you know if you're walking in the flesh? Am I unable to know, uh, to do what I know I should do. Romans chapter 7 says, the things that I should do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, Romans 7 is a man walking in the power of himself 
And Romans 8 says, walk in the power of the Spirit. And if you're led with the Spirit, you're a child of God. Romans 7 is trying to do it my way. Uh, Romans 8 is doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The second question is, so first of all, am I uh, unable to do what I know I should? Secondly, is that making me miserable? Romans 7, that man was miserable. Grace is the ability, the desire God gives you and the ability God gives you to do His will with joy. Let me just finish with this here. All agree, power needed. Jesus said, he had breathed on the disciples in, in John 20 and given them the Holy Spirit. They were children of God. But he said, I have a mission for you to do. But Acts 1.8, don't go until you receive the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right in your area. Judea, your surrounding area, Samaria, out there where your enemies are, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me read you. Uh, this is from a paper that we have here at the church. Be glad to share with you later if you need it. Even a cursory reading of revival history is convincing. Among all God's servants that have deeply affected their generations, there's harmony of a deeper experience with Him. Terms that are used to describe this power are as different as the denominations. Conversion experiences and education. But experience itself has always been essentially the same. There is a practical agreement amongst, amongst evangelical Christians with regard to the way of salvation. So there's a practical agreement amongst those who believe in the deeper Christian experience than conversion. In a court of law, testimonials are rejected if all testifying give the same evidence and the same words and the same manner. It would prove that there'd been collusion amongst the witnesses, but if each witness, each witness uses his own words and the way of presentation, yet their testimony agrees in the essential facts, the evidence is convincing. The evidence of history is this, listen, no man or woman has ever been used of God until they first discovered the secret of power with God. That is my desire for myself. That is my desire for our brothers and sisters in the church, that we have the power of God unhindered in our lives. Christians have called this experience many different names. Uh, D.O. Moody, R.A. Torrey, C.G. Finney, uh, William Booth, Andrew Murray, George Whitfield, A.B. Simpson called it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Others like G. Campbell Morgan, Robert Murray McShane, Praying Hyde, C.H. Spurgeon called it filling with the Holy Spirit. Some have called it empowering. Others have called it the anointing of God. But the question is not can you name it, but do you have it? Do you have it? Power is the basic ingredient for the effective spiritual service of any of us. Power is the basic ingredient for the effective, uh, effective spiritual service. Billy Graham in his message, How to Be Filled with the Spirit, put it this way. The very fact that we believe one thing and some of us another does not do anything to the fact that God says, Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his command. That is what he has asked us to do and commanded us to do. I believe that this is the greatest need of the church of Jesus Christ today. Everywhere I go, Billy Graham says, I find people uh, lacking something. They're hungry for something. Many of us say that the Christian experience is not all that we expected. We have often recurring defeat in our lives. And as a result, across the country, from coast to coast, hundreds of Christian people are hungry for something that we don't have. I'm persuaded that our desperate need is not a new organization, a new movement, or even a new method. We have enough of those. 
I believe the greatest need is that men and women who profess the name of Jesus Christ will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do the work of God without supernatural power. It can't be done. When God told us to go and preach the gospel to every creature and evangelize the world, he provided supernatural power for us. That power is given by the Holy Spirit. It's more powerful than atomic power. It's more potent than any explosive made by man. Do you know anything of the power of the Holy Spirit? This inhuman uh, power is not the receiving of the Holy Spirit at salvation. When a man is truly born again, his conversion is dependent on and affected by the Holy Spirit in response to his repentance and commitment to Christ. And there's lots of scripture about that. But this conversion to Christ is not to be confused with a consecration to the great work of world evangelism and endowment from power to carry this out. Let me say something. The Holy Spirit is not a liquid. The Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. He has a personality. He is God himself. He is to be worshipped. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when you're saved, you get the Holy Spirit. But what we're talking about today, does he have you? And what does he want to do through you? And anybody that knows the Christian life knows that you move. Uh, there's progression in the Christian life. And so what we're talking about is a deeper relationship with him uh, so that we are effective. And in this day and time, listen, in this day and time where people are crying out, where people are uncertain and people have no rock and people have no direction, and they want, this is the time you can talk to them about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and we would pray good things would happen. R.A. Torrey, world-renowned evangelist and Bible teacher of the last century, said it this way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a definite experience which one may and ought to know whether he's received it or not. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's an operation of the Holy Spirit distinct from and subsequent and additional to his regenerating work. In regeneration, there's an impartation of life. The one who receives it is saved. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's an impartation of power, and the one who receives it is fitted for service. Now, Please, please don't be upset with me. There's all kinds of terms, as I said at the beginning for this. The main thing is, how many want the Holy Spirit to be in charge of your life? How many want to be an A-plus Christian? You want him to have his way. You want to be uh, totally used by him uh, in life. At conversion, you receive the Holy Spirit. But this is a clothing of energy for Christian service. Without this sense of covering, surrounding, and energizing by the Holy Spirit, Christian witness is fruitless, joyless, and practically impossible. The disciples were saved before the day of Pentecost. Uh, you, you can read in John 15 uh, and 17 about them receiving the Holy Spirit in 20, 20 to 22, when they received the Holy Spirit. He said, receive ye. That's an imperative spoken by one authority, a command to be obeyed, the Holy Ghost. They'd already renounced any idea of living for themselves and devoted their lives for reaching the world. The Lord Jesus commissioned them to make disciples of all nations. Now stick with me just a minute here. But they still lacked the power, promised power, to fulfill their task. The Lord's last promise was, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you'll be witnesses to me. They had the Holy Spirit, but this was an empowering poor servant. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you and be witnesses. They were told to wait until they were due with him, uh, with power from on high before commencing their work. They had met the Lord. They knew him as Savior, but they did not have the power of the Holy Spirit to do his work. The purpose of power. 
in our lives. In this empowering, the soul is introduced by the Lord Jesus to the Holy Spirit. The role of Christ in the Spirit is thus reversed from that of salvation. The Holy Spirit introduced the soul to Christ. Now Christ makes the indwelling presence of His Spirit real to the believer. The climax of this energizing process is the flooding up of God's reality in the soul like a fountain. Until the believer is utterly immersed in His power and love, once initially understood and experienced, this is, this is to be a continuous experience for each believer. Deeper and deeper baptisms and fillings of the Holy Spirit as we look to Him in faith for delivering and transforming power. We're not trying to give you a quick Holy Spirit pill. Uh, get a salvation pill. Okay, now I'm headed to heaven. Take a little pill of Holy Ghost, and now I can just go on with my life. No. Salvation is a relationship. It is a relationship of ongoing faith in Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is a relationship with the Holy Spirit, ongoing relationship with Him, deeper and closer, so that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit, don't resist the Holy Spirit, yield it to the Holy Spirit each day, saying, today is your day. How to receive this power? The Holy Spirit is a gift of the risen Savior. His anointing, filling, empowering with work is a baptism of love that gives power to make Jesus real to you and known to others. The most impressive evidence of this power is the ability to make the things of God real. A man filled with the Spirit of God becomes deeply and intensely believable. The Holy Spirit working to impress the heart and seal the preached Word of God with conviction. When an empowered man speaks or prays, his words strike fire. His words stick in the heart like darts of love. Now, how is it with you, beloved? Have you obeyed God's commands to be filled with the Spirit? His gift is offered to every child of God who is willing to simply meet these conditions. Honesty. Do you really want God's power? God will not give his gift for self-glory, to make yourself a great man or woman or build up your church. He will not grant his power so that selfish pride can be exalted. He does not empower to free from trouble or to make you happy or even make you holy. Though, of course, these often follow the spirit-filled lives. He fills only for his glory. And that must be your motive. Honesty. Two, cleanliness. Are you dead earnest about being used of God? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army and a man of God said, Before we go on our knees to receive the baptism of fire, let me beg of you to see to it that your souls are in harmony with the will and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. See to it that the channel of communication by which the Holy Spirit is received is kept. The rich young ruler came to Jesus wanting salvation. He was a rich man. He was a good-looking man. He was a young man. He was obeying the law man. But he had one thing he was not willing to let go of. That was his riches, his security. And he went away sorrowful from Jesus. We need to be honest. We need to be clean. It's no use praying, singing, or even believing if there's something you're holding back or refusing to do. Out with it. Give it no rest. Give it up. Destroy your idols and stoppages with an everlasting destruction. Let there be free communication between God, you and God. Let all go, and you will be flooded before you rise from your knees. The world will feel the power of it, and God will have the glory. Number three, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you have honesty with God. You have cleanliness. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not earned or deserved. He is not given it on the basis of special attainment of holiness with God. The gift of the Holy Spirit is primarily for power. A man who receives this empowering has no more Christian character immediately after his experience than he had before. 
The fullness of the Spirit is a source of help to build a Christian character, and, but it certainly does not, is certainly not given because of a high degree of consecration to Christ. Therefore, he is to be invited to energize only on the basis of clear, the clear promises of God and the condition that all obvious sin is forsaken. Scripture shows that God is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to his children and longs to do so. You do not have to beg and plead with your Heavenly Father to obtain this promised power. The very fact that he not only promises but commands us to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, is the highest possible evidence that you can receive him. For God, God's command is equivalent to a certainty that we can obtain. He does not command unless we have power to obey. Once the blockages of conscious hindrances are swept away, you may not even have to ask God to fill you. In fact, you'll probably not be able to keep him from doing so. And then lastly, obedience. When you have been dealt, when you've dealt with all the obstacles, honesty, cleanliness, uh, receiving a gift from God, you must receive by faith from the hand of God. There's nothing to be afraid of in receiving God's power. The Lord Jesus said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things? He says in Matthew, give the Holy Spirit, he says in Luke, to those who ask him. And that ask is A-S-K. Ask and keep on asking. Persistently. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock, keep on knocking. The door will be open. God says, because I love it when you get serious about this, that the Holy Spirit be filling you and working through you. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Luke eleven thirteen. If you come as a little child and love to your Father, do you think He's going to give you something to harm you or frighten you? Don't you think you can trust God to keep you from excess or extravagance? The Holy Spirit's power is a love gift for every child of God. You need not be afraid to fully open your life to His love. If there's something in you you're not willing to have happen, some personal point of pride you hold or some right you don't think God needs to ask you to surrender, be sure that's the very thing that will be the reason why you still have no power with God or man. Obedience is better than sacrifice, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Now, do you dare to do it? If you're willing and obedient, God will meet you. Don't try to copy another experience. Don't get yours from God and you will know that it's real. Accept his gift and trust him now for this power. Let the sense of his love well up in your heart until it floods and fills you with praise. He may come quietly as a river or mightily like a flood, but you will know that it has happened and you will never be the same again. Go now as a little child and let him make your life a miracle. Galatians, uh, let me just read our verse again. Uh, 5, 16, and 17. But this I say, walk by the Spirit. Take a step at a time in the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to each other. But you have a choice. You can't do the things you want to do. You can do the things that He wants you to do. Heavenly Father, thank you for covenant community of Elijah for bringing us together as a community that loves you and desires to serve you. Oh God, we need your power as individuals. We need your power as families. And we need your power as a church, Lord, to make a difference in Gilmer County. Thousands of people who consider you irrelevant. Lord, we pray that you would remove all hindrances in our lives from anything that we're distracted by, anything that we're clinging to, that you would remove those
those things and that you would give us a unity of walking in the power of your Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts that you give us, Lord, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, whether it's uh, healing, whether it's tongues, whether it's interpretation of tongues, whatever the needs are around us, you've given different ones of us the opportunity to have your gifts and to desire greater gifts so we can speak your word in power and conviction to see lives changed. Lord, we pray for your help. Pray that this building can be filled with people, not so that our name would be magnified, but so that your name would be magnified, so lives would be changed, your kingdom would progress, and your joy fill your people. Thank you that this is according to your will. And you said that if we will ask in prayer, believing, that we will receive the things that you have promised. You've told us to be being filled with your Holy Spirit. So we come asking that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us as a body of believers uh, with your Holy Spirit, that we could be a pleasing bride to you, a pleasing temple to you. We'll thank you for what you do in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.